2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. We will pray and then read the word of the Lord. Father, we think of your overwhelming love for us. Father, may it be a thing that consumes us. Father, as we look at your word even this day, May we understand that behind it is your love and your uh, passion to reconcile us unto you. Father, when I think of the suffering of this age, I think about so many people who are stepping into eternity without knowing you to pay the penalty of their sins themselves. Father, please grant salvation to many more. Father, as I think of this family this day, Father, I pray that in a magnificent way you will pour forth salvation upon that home and that many hearts and souls will be saved to the glory of the risen King. Father, as we look at your word this day, may we rest in absolute assurance in your overwhelming love and your amazing work in our lives and how we have been sealed for eternity to your glory and praise in Christ's name. Amen. Verse 5, chapter 2, 2 Corinthians. But if any has caused sorrow, he has caused sorrow not to me, but in some degree, in order not to say too much to all of you, Sufficient for such a one is this punishment, which was inflicted by the majority, so that on the contrary, you should rather forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, such a one might be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Wherefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. For to this end also I wrote, so that I might put you to a test, whether you are obedient in all things, But one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. Okay, what we're looking at is a text, and I've, I've broken it into seven individuals, because it is seven reasons or seven blessings by forgiving. Now, now we've got to keep this in mind. These are blessings that you will receive when you forgive. Okay? And one of the things that I see today is um, a lack of. A lack of forgiveness. Um, we may verbalize it. Okay? We, we may say, well, you know, I forgive you. But the actions don't speak to that. You know what I mean? Okay, and, and what you are missing by not forgiving is that you no longer have the ability to deflect your pride. You no longer have the ability to show mercy. You no longer have the ability to restore joy, nor your joy. And one of the things about forgiveness is it has the ability to deflect pride. And that's what the Apostle Paul tells us in verse 5. 
Because we have a tendency when we are quote unquote offended to let our pride rule the roost. You know, I didn't deserve that or I can't believe they did that or how can I? And, and we get into that funny phase that says, well, how do I know they won't do it again? <laughs> you know what? There is no guarantee of that ever. Okay, because I bet you every one of us is guilty of repeated sins before God. Okay. One or two. Okay. And, 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 and yet we all of a sudden think that we're going to get it a little better. I see people who have a hard time showing mercy. And the reason is, is that they haven't forgiven. And uh, Paul deals with that in verse 6. Forgive and comfort. Okay, that, that's, that's neat there because it has one side is the forgive side. The other side is the comfort side. Because if you have forgiven, then you will comfort them. Uh, Galatians chapter 6 tells us that um, you who are spiritual, do what? Come alongside and bear the burden. Why? Because you're looking to restore. You're looking to restore. And we struggle with that. We struggle. I, and you know what? I think it's a pride issue. I think it's a pride issue. But yet then, even in that, there's times that I look at it and how do we restore joy? I see Christians who do not show joy. And what I realize is they don't forgive. The Christians that you see that do not have joy in their heart is a Christian who does not forgive. And therefore, they're eat up with their own pride. Uh, and, and it's funny because, you know, I, I watch people and they run around and, and say, well, you know, you, you can't do this and you confront that sin. And, and we love to confront sin. We think that's great. We have no problems with it. And, um, and, and, and yet when we do confront it, are we willing to walk with the person to help them overcome it? And that's where we kind of fall short. But in this text, these... 5 through 11, there are seven blessings to forgive. There are seven reasons to forgive. And we're looking at verse 8 today. Wherefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. Affirm your love. You know, one of the things I've been, as I've, I've looked at this text and I've, I've read this text and, you know, and I go back and I think about the, the 15 facets of love in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. I look at all that. And you know, one of the things that I've, God has shown me and, and, and if, if you already knew this, then act like you learned something new. But uh, you cannot separate love and forgiveness. It's impossible. And you can say you love, but if you don't forgive, then you don't love. You can say you forgive, but if you don't love, you won't forgive. You can't separate the two. God so loved the world. Well, how did he love the world? That he gave his only begotten son, and whoever should believe in him should not perish. Why? It was... Because of his love, he forgave. You can't separate the two. It's impossible. See, because if I affirm that love, then it's going to be based on the desire to make him joyful. The sinner. You know, I, I watch in, in, in the church today, uh, God doesn't hate us. Did you know that? Now, he does hate sin, and you happen to be a vessel of it, but he does not hate us. 
And yet I watch people going around, and they'll, they'll use the Matthew 18. We'll look at it a little more here today. But we'll use that Matthew 18. It says, you know what? What you bind on, in, on earth is bound in heaven. You know what? That's true. But it also says what we loosen on earth is loosened in heaven. And, and, and we do real well with the binding thing. Okay? The loosening thing we really struggle with. It's like, you know, we'll put the chains on them, but we forgot where we put the key to unloosen them. And, and, and you know, I, I watch it and you, and you hear it. You can hear it in the debates and discussions of people. Well, when should I forgive? <laughs> really? I, I would highly suggest that you get online and go listen to the messages. It was not a hidden idea. You need to listen again. Why? Because I'll ask you one question. When did Jesus forgive you? You ever thought about that? Did you ever read the text that says he died for us even though we were yet sinners? You know what that means, right? I didn't run to him and say, will you forgive me? Sure, I'll go get on a cross for you. He said, no, you are forgiven. You who believe. Okay. Well, which one are you forgiven? Uh, it'd be the one that intersects where the east meets the west. That one he didn't forgive you. Do you know where the east meets the west? No, I didn't think so. Now, I do the north and the south. That's the Mason-Dixon line. I grew up with that. I know exactly where that one's at. Okay. But the east and the west, I don't know. You know, they tell me that I live in Colorado, I'm in the Midwest. But I thought when I lived in Ohio, I was in the Midwest. So, you know, I, where is it? I don't know. Because they told me that big thing in St. Louis, the arch, is the gateway to the West. <laughs> but you can't get through it. So nobody can get in the West. You have to go around it. You see what I'm trying to get at? Where is forgiveness? It never stops. It never stops. Because if the love of God has been poured in your heart, then you should have an overwhelming desire to make a repentant sinner joyful. Listen, if a, a saint of God is in sin against God, do you really think that you can make him more miserable than God can? But some of us seem to think that that's what we're supposed to do. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not on vacation and he doesn't need your help. And that's what we're getting at. I don't want to see people overwhelmed with excessive sorrow. And yet it seems to be a pattern in the church. How great can I make their sorrow? And yet we should have a, a basis on a desire to be joyful. You ever thought about that? You know, I, I, I watch Christians and, and, and we wrestle with all kinds of things, don't we? I mean, <laughs> okay. Um, we deal with all kinds of things on a daily basis. All kinds of things just that just hit us and, and it just goes on and on and on and on. And when I look at some of this and, and I and I see 
I mean, you know, I, I, I think about Franklin Graham and all the poo that's up in the air over him. And, um, and, and you, just, you just scratch your head. And, and, and you deal with it. And then God, in his infinite humor, throws a bunch of spring snow on top of us. And it's like, hey, hey what do you think about that? <laughs> You're like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay. And, and we got, don't we? Uh, anybody here have problems with coworkers? See, I don't. I don't have any coworkers, <laughs> and I got a perfectionist for a boss, so it's you know I'm it. <laughs> so, but I mean, but but it, it kind of gets over. Uh, how about sibling rivalry? Do brother and sister ever not quite get along? Only when it snows. <laughs> Can any of it really compare to the fact that you only have eternal salvation in Jesus Christ and you're only going to have to spend eternity in heaven in the presence of a sinless, perfected God for the rest of eternity? Have you ever thought about that? That's amazing if you think about it. Absent from the body, present with the Lord, and you will only be in sinless perfection. That's all. And really, what trouble do you have in this life when that's coming down the pike? You ever thought about that? And so when you look at a text like this and it says, forgive, we immediately start squirming. Well, you just don't understand what they did to me. And I think about the Apostle Paul and this man calling Paul, calling for the church. To discipline this man, confront this man, and do not this, let this person get away with this. And they did. And they did it publicly. And now he says, forgiving. Let me show you something. In your text there, it says, I urge you. Okay, It literally means I beg you. I beseech you. Okay, And then you see the word reaffirm. Okay, the word is koreso, korsai, sorry, korsai in the Greek, korsai. And it's actually a technical term. It's kind of fascinating. The definition for korsai is to legally ratify something. Okay, it, 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 it has to do with make a formal conclusion and make it a matter of certainty. Reaffirm. You know what the implications of this word being used in this text? It would include a public announcement. Now think about that for a second. Look at verse 6. Sufficient for such a one is this punishment which was inflicted by the majority. You know what that means? It was brought before the whole congregation publicly. Okay, the discipline of this man's sin was brought before the congregation. All right. This man had reached what we classify as formal church discipline. It was a public punishment. Now, Paul says 
the same kind of formal, the same kind of formality in concluding the matter should be called publicly to reaffirm your love for him. If it gets to the point that it's brought before the congregation and it's publicly brought out, then at the restoration, it is publicly reaffirmed. I think that's kind of cool. I mean, now listen, I don't, I don't need a bunch of people saying, well, you know, such and such I think is in sin. And I think such and such is, you know, the other day I was doing, I was bidding on changing out some light fixtures at uh, uh, the liquor store. It's over by the grocery, uh, by the post office, a uh, little Korean, uh, I don't Oriental guy runs it. And he wanted me to price changing out some light fixtures. Somebody saw me coming out of there. What were you doing in the liquor store? <laughs> Bummer, dude. <laughs> you should have seen me before I went in. <laughs> I had to throw all the empties out. <laughs> so I, us rednecks drive pickups, <laughs> catch everything. Okay? But, but I, you just sit there for a second and I thought, busted. Okay? Yeah, but do you see what I mean? You know, I, I was bidding on changing out some life fixtures. Okay, I'm going to try to get in on some of these green dollars. <laughs> you know, let's get more efficient light bulbs. You buy them, I'll put them in. <laughs> and then I'll file, f- submit a grant. <laughs> okay. Let's be honest with each other right now. I want, I, want to, I, I, I want you to be honest with yourself right now. Truly. Unforgiveness is simply a lack of love. Okay, yours, by the way, (laughs) I want to be specific here. The reason you won't forgive is because you don't love. You can verbalize it, but I already told you love. Remember, we went through love in in 13th chapter, 1st Corinthians. It's a verb, people. It's got action to it. And if you do not forgive, then guess what? You don't love. And if you think about it, and I'll repeat it again, the most noble thing that a sinner can do is to forgive another sinner. See, forgiveness fulfills the law of God. Forgiveness fulfills the law of Christ. Forgiveness is the royal law. Forgiveness is the law of love. See, Paul is telling the Corinthians, your discipline was public. It it was done with the formal process. So, your restoration should carry the formal process. Paul is asking them to make a public ratification by formal announcement of the restoration of this man to the church. Thus, the church displays their collective as well as individual love for the man. Ain't that cool? I think that's awesome. 
You know, I, I, I try to move this church, and one of the passions that I have for this fellowship is that this thing is not about me. Okay? Uh, I love it when I hear that you guys have called somebody, or you guys sought somebody out, or you guys dropped a note to somebody, or you, you went to see somebody. Or, because you know what? Everybody says, well, you're supposed to do it, you get paid to. Well, that ain't love. Okay, and technically, I should get paid to pray and preach. All right, and out of the preaching and the moving of the Spirit, you should show the love that Christ has shown all of us. You know, I, you know, some of you have known me a long time. Get nervous if I show up at your hospital room. <laughs> it must be bad. He's here. Okay, but do you see what I'm trying to get at? Uh, and, and, and yet I, I think about Karen, Karen calling, leaving messages at the church and then me passing them around and Stephanie passing them around. That this is what's going on with Jan and we're just praying. Uh, you know, I had an, another person that I do not believe he was an arch enemy of mine. I mean, you that's the way he acted. And then I find out he's in the hospital with a possible stroke and blood clot in his lung and all the rest of it. So, you know, I got a hold of his wife and we talked for a little bit and I said, you know, It'll work. All right. And you know what? This guy don't like me. <laughs> and normally I'd say and the feelings mutual, but I'm teaching on forgiveness. <laughs> but do you see what I'm trying to get at? Because when there's a lack of love. There'll be a lack of forgiveness. And I see churches today. Um, you know what? Paul told Timothy. All right. An elder who sins. Here's what's going on in the church. An elder who sins. What is Timothy supposed to do? What is the church supposed to do? You are supposed to rebuke him before all. Gee. Why? That others may fear. That others may fear. See... One of the issues that's in the church today, why there is a lack of forgiveness, is because the church for years now has failed to deal with sin. Okay? And, and it needs to be dealt with publicly. You know, it's funny because God is love. God is gracious. God is merciful. Why does He have to be? Because of mine and your... Sin. Most people come to salvation, true salvation, in the dire throes of a tragedy. We are marketing it. I don't even understand why we sing amazing grace. I watch people in the church today who believe that grace is owed them. And that doesn't make it amazing. And amazing grace is, do you understand the depth of your iniquity? Not mine. You. You had to be saved too. If you deal with sin, and it is urgent, and it is done biblically then everyone has an understanding how serious is sin. Do you understand that? It had to be serious. It wouldn't have taken a cross. 
You've got to understand that. And you need to know he died for you when you were still a sinner. But here's the key. When you do deal with sin, you are now in a position to deal with restoration. You restore it. You show it for its seriousness. And then how great is the restoration? And that's what the Apostle Paul is getting at. What everybody understands how important it is to forgive if they understand how awful is sin. And we have, the church has lost this. You know, one of the blessings that I've had dealing and teaching in Russia is they will tell you that they came to repentance. And that's when they were saved. Why? Because they understood that their sin separated them from God. We in this country haven't got a clue. We don't even want to call it sin. You know, I've seen that little cartoon. I'm just morally challenged. Really? See, when we understand the depth of our depravity, then we will understand the importance of forgiveness. And grace is at least as as important as love. Got that? Grace is at least as as important as love. All right? That, you you hear people say, well, I have this ministry. Okay, you know, I, I got a music ministry or I got a banjo ministry or, you know, everybody's got a ministry of some kind. And basically all that is is so that I can not pay taxes. All right. But you know what? The only ministry that I can find in the Bible that is worth anything is called the ministry of reconciliation. We're going to look at it in chapter four. And do you know that if you're saved today, you have a ministry of reconciliation. And yet I don't hear nobody running around saying my ministry is reconciliation. See, you are reconciling sinners to a holy God and you're reconciling sinners to sinners. You ever look at the covenant of marriage? That's an interesting covenant if you think about it. It's fascinating. Okay? But but you got two blind, naked, and depraved, selfish, prideful beings that are going to become one. (laughs) And you guys don't believe there ain't no God? There's only a God's going to make that thing work. I got news for you. When I when I put that kind of stuff together and I look at the relationship between a man and a woman, and then you find out that they're both cursed. Okay, and what I mean by that, God cursed them. And you're sitting there going, well, this ain't going to work. I mean, our makeup won't let it work. And then God cursed us to boot. But he says, you know, you should get married. And you're like... Okay, let me weigh the options here. The odds are against me. Right? And if you want to learn forgiveness or the lack of it, go check out marriages. It's pretty crazy if you think about it. And one of the things that I have seen 
in my life is that do you understand that loosening is at least as important as binding? Yes, you confront the sin. Why? So you can loosen the burden on that person. One of the tragedies of the Pharisees was that they liked to confront everybody's sin. And Jesus even accused them. He said, you put great weights on these people. They can't even move under it. And you can see it. You can see people. When I was in Russia, nobody smiles in Russia except for Christians. And you think I'm kidding you. I was in Moscow, 35 million people. And I bet you there were, the only person smiling in Moscow was me. And that's just because I had jet lag. <laughs> Where am I? And why is everybody talking funny? And how come I can't read no signs? Okay. But you see the Christian over there and they are beaming. Why? Because they have been loosened. Listen, do you understand when you read the Matthew 18 text that heaven is as concerned about loosening as it is binding? See, Love, what he says here, reaffirm your love for him. That's agape. Okay? That is the love of choice. That is the love of will. That is the love of serving with humility. Agape. Forgiveness is a jewel. A precious jewel. Such a treasure and it's so rich in the life of a church. What is the church here today? What do we do? It is so crucial to a Christian fellowship, forgiveness is. Churches are torn up, fractured, split, fragmented because of lack of forgiveness. And it starts, I believe, with a lack of disciplining of sin. Now, listen, we're not going to all run around, and I don't need you guys to fill up my email address or my answering phones with. Well, Terry, I've seen such and such doing this, and I know such and such is doing that, and this person ain't doing this. I don't need that. You know why? It says, if a brother offends you, you deal with it. Straight up. But you're doing it for one reason. You know this. If a person is in a non-repentant sin, you know they're bound up. They have no peace. They have no joy. And it is your responsibility, if you've been exposed to it, to help them understand the peace and help them understand the joy that comes when they have been reconciled to their creator. God will not bless non-repentant sin. And you can tell those poor people. They look like... There, I cannot think of a creature on the planet earth more miserable than a saint that has been confronted by God of their sin and they refuse to deal with it. Because them and God ain't doing nothing else from that point. And you know what? They become miserable. Absolutely miserable. And I do not know of a creature on the planet that would be more miserable than under the conviction of God. See, if you do not discipline sin, and you know what? In some cases, it's yours. 
You need to confess that it is sin. And he is faithful and just to forgive it. Okay, listen, I commit sin every day. And I'm smart enough to say, oops. Lord, sorry. Why'd you let him pull out in front of me? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It was your fault. (laughs) Yeah, that worked for Adam too. Okay. See, if we don't deal with sin, we never are able to bring the person to the place where they are penitent. It has to be. And you know what? There's things that I do on a daily basis that I think, oh my gosh, why did I do that? I know none of you guys have ever had just those thoughts that run through your head and just, and you're like, whoops. I know you guys don't do that. I praise God for you because you keep me strong. Too many in the church today just let sin exist in the church and they never deal with it. And then I have to ask but one question. What was he saved from? Did you know that you were not saved from the government's sin? Did you know that? Husbands, did you know that you were not saved from your wife's sin? Wives, did you know that you were not saved from your husband's sin? Brothers and sisters, you were not saved from your brothers and sisters' sin. You were saved from your Sin. It does not have mastery over you. You may let it. And you fight with it occasionally, don't you? I mean, those of you who have sin. <laughs> right? And we struggle with it. And every once in a while, poof! Nose plant right into it. First thing I think of is dog and its vomit. Roof, roof. Right? And you just get up and you, whoops again. And God says, yeah. But remember, when I was hanging on the cross, it was, it is finished. When I see people in churches today, most churches are just society clubs. And yet I watch when anything comes into that church, it tears it apart. It tears it apart. And yet on the other hand, you can deal with a sin, a sinner. You can discipline sin. But if you don't come to the point of forgiveness, that'll tear the church apart. So you can ignore sin and that'll tear the church apart. You can deal with sin and do it without a heart of forgiveness and that'd tear a church apart. And you know what? When I think about it, it is forgiveness that brings back the joy. It is forgiveness that brings back the love. It is forgiveness that brings back the mercy. And it is forgiveness that brings back the humility. What a treasure. What a treasure. John's Gospel. Chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How does that love come into a reality? 
How does the world know that they love each other? And you know what? I watch most churches today and they do it because they socialize. You know, we have a softball team or we have, uh, uh, you know, we have our third Sunday of the month dinners or we're going to have a barbecue or we go to the faith day at the Rockies or, or we, look, they love each other. Well, let me tell you something about all of those. That's what the lost do. Lost socialize, have barbecues, go to the Rockies, the Broncos. How do they know we really care deeply and we have a love of choice for each other? And you know what? The greatest way that our lives can transcend the natural No other than when it manifests itself in matters of forgiveness. Forgiveness is the most noble act that one sinner can do for another sinner. And yet you have this thing here in the body of Christ, this forgiveness. And uh, you have to deal with sin because forgiveness is not not dealing with the sin. That's not forgiveness. All right. But then when you deal with the sin, then you get the joy of forgiveness, which deflects your pride, will show mercy restores joy to everybody and you have this balance here and guess what at the same time you're doing that you will find out that it is the single most difficult thing that you will do see we all sit here today we've been listening to what six five or six sermons on forgiveness and i forgive really we say i forgive you as long as you stay out of my life If I don't have to look at you, that means I've really forgiven you. Right? Well, okay, then you're going to have a little problem. Go to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 1 and 2 is what I want to look at. And I would bring your attention to the flow of thought because it starts with a therefore. Therefore would refer back. And what is the verse in front of it? Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving each other. Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Therefore, Paul says... Be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. What a nasty thought. Think about what he just says there. Be an imitator of God. How? 
How in the world can I be an imitator of God? Walk in love. Well, what does that mean? Walk in love. As Christ loved you and gave Himself up for us an offering, a sacrifice to God. That's what it means to walk in love. You and we are to love as Christ loved. How did he do that? He gave himself to provide the forgiveness of sin. If you're going to walk in love, then you will give yourself to provide the forgiveness of sin. They will know you are my disciples by your love for one another how does that look in forgiveness see what i'm saying you can't exchange you cannot separate love and forgiveness if you do not forgive you do not love and therefore the world will look at you and not know you are one of christ's disciples no greater demonstration of love exists in the church than how we forgive. They're happy to sacrifice. They like each other. They care for each other. They forgive each other. They love each other. But you know what? The real test, the heart test here, is do we forgive when we are offended? I'm talking to each one of you. When you are offended, and I know that some of you, I've never offended. That's why I don't work with nobody. <laughs> okay. But you ever thought about that? When you are offended, do you forgive? Or do you bury it and hang on to it? Play with it? Are we holding in our heart a, a, a loving forgiveness just waiting for reconciliation and restoration? Or are we holding in our heart a bitterness because I have been offended? See, that's how we affirm our love. That's what the Apostle Paul is telling us in Corinthians. Listen, when we affirm our love for a person who has been restored and reconciled, nothing can ever fracture that church. Because nothing is ever going to be left, is ever left to be an issue. You ever served in the body of Christ and at times wonder why? Seems like there's just nothing benefiting out of this. It just seems like there's nothing ever happening out of this. And yet we're told, do not grow weary of doing good. And I know that you guys don't ever get bitter about the saints of God. Because you know why? You always deal with your sin. You deal with it yourself as soon as God lays it on your heart. And when someone offends you, you just blow it off because, hey, we're forgiven. And I'm more concerned about their joy and their restoration and my love for them than I am any offense that they have laid upon me. See, when the sin is dealt with, then it is forgiven and then it is gone. Contrary to some wives. Some wives remember, I remember it was the second year of our wedding. We were 
19 and 31, and you did this, and I was offended. Was I there? <laughs> Couldn't have been me. Well, I remember if you'd have done this, this would have happened. I've, you've never heard them conversations in your marriages, and I praise God for you. See? But there's something about women. See, I, I have ADDH, whatever that thing is. And uh, so my attention span just ain't that long. <laughs> and I praise God for it. It's sort of, oh, look, shiny. <laughs> See, it's crucial in the church to do the disciplinary work. Because the disciplinary work sets up for the restoration, and that's what we're after. Each and every one of you have a ministry of reconciliation. Okay? You guys have ministries that I can't touch. All right? I don't have the access to those people. Okay? But I have some ministries of reconciliation that you guys can't get involved with. Okay? All right, so instead of you worrying about what my ministry is doing, and instead of me worrying about what your ministry is doing, why don't you say, hey, I have a ministry of reconciliation to all who crosses my path. And I will show their my love that even when they offend me, it is forgiven. And then the world will all know and say, look, those are disciples of Christ. Because that brings the love of Christ's forefront, forgiveness and reconciliation. And you know what? When you have forgiveness and reconciliation going on in the body of Christ, guess what? That keeps the unity in the church and it's intact. And you don't have to make unity. You don't have to strive for unity. Well, we're trying to maintain unity. And we're going to do it because we're going to have a Super Bowl party. Or we're going to do it because we're going to have a men's hunting party. Or we're going to do it because the women are going to do some kind of craft fair thing. No, you don't have to do it. I mean, that doesn't mean you won't do it. But the intention is there just for the fellowship. It isn't there saying, well, this is a ministry. No, it ain't. See the blessings of forgiveness? It deflects our pride. It reflects. I just had an epiphany. Humility. It shows mercy. It restores joy. And it affirms love to all sinners. That's pretty good. They will... No, you are my disciples. Therefore, we will be imitators of God in Christ who gave himself as a sacrifice. That's what we do. Let's pray. Father, I just praise you for your word. Thank you for the amazing things that you've shown me. And Father, I pray that my brothers and sisters either will be strengthened or made aware that either way your glory would be manifest. Father, thank you. Thank you for our brother Paul who fought the good fight, who pressed on for the upward calling. Father, may we see Paul reflected in our lives as Paul reflected Christ. Thank you, Lord. To your glory, to your praise. Amen.